0: Anybody believe that prayer can change things? You know, action without prayer is like a gun without bullets. So we can be very active doing a lot of things that seem to be the right things and good things. But actually, uh, whatever we do, our lives need to be loaded, if we can put it this way, with the Word of God. Because when we pray, when we decree, when we line up with God and His Word... That's like the bullets being fired from the gun, from our lives, if you understand what we're we're saying. And and, uh, just some of the stories we've heard over the last few months where God spoke prophetically to, say, a church or a group of intercessors or houses of prayer or whatever context you want to put it in. And they've then prayed things in relation to their nation that seemed impossible. But yet within a few weeks or months, those things have been changing or shifting in nations and God has been working and moving and and uh, in our nation now is the time to be praying in our nation amen it's great to have an opinion it's great to have a view on something but we don't pray in line with our opinions or our view we don't even act in line with our our opinion and our view we we can only pray in line with what God says what his word is because what God says and what his word is defines what his will is it shows us how we need to line up with him and with some of the things going on in our nation particularly around Brexit and particularly around a change in leader for the Conservative Party and ultimately becoming the Prime Minister we can all have our opinions and our thoughts and and everything on on what we would like to have what we think should happen we all maybe come from different angles viewpoints and on different things, and, and that can that can motivate us to pray in a certain way, or to tell everybody what we think our view is on something. And on one level, uh, you know, all of that is okay. But on another level, our own opinions and views actually don't mean a lot to God if it's if it isn't in line with Him and and what He wants to say. So, I just want to share something for a, a couple of minutes at the beginning uh, this morning that is not. I'm not coming at this from a political point of view. I just want to share something uh, in relation to uh, when I was praying a couple of months ago in relation to what's going on to do with Brexit. And, you know, when um, the decision was made to delay it, you know, instead of being March 31st, the decision, you know, is obviously October the 31st at the moment. um, I don't know about you guys, but we, we can all have our own views on all of that. But at the end of the day, I s I kinda that night I said to the Lord, I said, God, what's going on? What is going on? Because I, I want to pray in line with what you see and what you're saying and what you how what outcome or what this is going to look like. And I just said to the Lord, God, what's going on? And that, that evening didn't particularly get anything. But when I got up the following morning, uh I went downstairs, got my cup of tea, as I normally do, and uh went into my lounge and just started to worship and, and just spend some time with uh with the lord and we i I don't know you you do you guys do the reading plan is it the same one as we're doing right okay so so there's a a reading plan we do and and if people want to do it great it might help them people might be doing their own thing with the word fantastic but if we can help people great and what I normally do is, uh, is is the little scripture or subject we have that month. This month is Thanksgiving and praise, thanking God. And, and there's loads of scriptures you know, to help you. And I normally read that short one and, and, and everything. And then the Old Testament one. I, and then I normally come to the New Testament one later in the day and have a few minutes just praying and reading through that one. But as I, yeah, as I, as I sat down, I was just opening my Bible to, to, to kind of read that little two or three verse one around the, the theme of the month, um, I just felt the Lord say, read the New Testament chapter. I'm like, okay. And when I turned there, it was John chapter 11, and it's the story of Lazarus. And as I began to read in the first verse or two, as I began to read, I just felt the Lord say, this is Brexit. Uh, and I kind of said to the Lord, what do you mean, this is Brexit? And he said, well, just read the story, and it'll, it, this will explain what's going on. And uh, so I was like, okay, and I just want to bring a couple of things out and, uh, and, and there is a conclusion at the end and you, you'll come to your own conclusion from whatever it says in the story. But uh, I, I began to read, so now a man named Lazarus was sick and as God said to me, that's Brexit, he said, read, it, read the story uh, with, your, with your nation in mind in terms of what's going on. So there was a there was a nation called the UK who was sick, who was unhealthy, unwell, in that sense. and on one level as a nation, we're not healthy in certain ways. Why do we pray because we want a healthy nation spiritually? and then the repercussions of that, the fruit of that. Why do we act in the way that we do? Why do we live like we do? Because God has called you and I as believers as Christians to live as a prophetic sign and symbol in our generation that when people look at our lives our lives need to look like a sign like a motorway sign or a road sign when you look at something it gives direction it tells you something and we want to live our lives like a sign that when people look at us there's that our lives are saying something that that's it's not that we have to persuade people in that sense but just the way we live and the way we are are like we're living in a certain direction that should speak to people in different in different ways um, a sign and a symbol to people. What is a symbol? A symbol represents something. And so we want the way we live our lives, no matter what context it is, we want people to look at us and say, man, you, you, you're you living in a certain direction. You stand for something. You're like a symbol. You you stand for something uh, in some ways. So it says here, UK was sick, unhealthy. So then it says, but Mary and, uh, and her sister Martha, uh, they sent a message to Jesus saying, uh, you, you, need to, you need to come. Okay, Now, what were they doing? Mary and Martha are like the church. They're praying. So they want to see a change in this situation. And so they sent word to Jesus. Jesus, you're the one that can bring change in this situation. You can bring the right thing to bear in this, uh, in this scenario. And what was the response of, of Jesus? Uh, verse 4 when he heard this he said this sickness will not end in death now there's a lot of negativity going on at the moment around our nation people are speaking a lot in all sorts of different ways and uh, no matter what our persuasion thoughts how things are going to work out you know we can say this is going to be bad this is going to end up you know in, in a negative way whether it's the economy whether it's this that and the other If Brexit does this, that will be bad. If it does that, it will be bad. And everybody's, no matter what it is, it's going to be negative. And what's the worst, best worst case scenario? And all of that kind of thing that people seem to be talking about. But Jesus says here, this sickness will not end in death. It's not ending disaster. No, what's going on is going to ultimately be for the glory of God. God somehow, in the midst of what is going on, is going to bring glory for himself out of it. Then it says here, Jesus, verse five, loved Mary and his sister and her sister uh, and uh, and Lazarus. God loves our nation. God loves the UK. God loves France, Italy, Germany. He loves the nations. Jesus died once, and he died for all. God doesn't love our nation more than any other nation. Okay, so I've heard all sorts of things, probably like you have. God wants to bring us out of the eu because he's going to judge the eu for who they are all of that sort of thing god is weighing the nations one day every nation is going to be judged like every individual is going to have to face judgment but god's not saying the uk is better than another nation so we'll bring them out of the eu which is some evil kind of empire and uh, we understand there are certain things that will operate spiritually and are going on spiritually uh, and everything but god's not bringing us out because he loves us more than any other nation God has a call and a plan and a purpose on every nation, and and He has things for our nation that He wants to to work out. Anyway, but then uh, listen to this, verse six. But when He heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed where He was two more days. Now, pastorally, that's probably not the best thing to do, is it? Um, if if you rang up, uh, if you rang. The, the leaders and said look m- one of my family members is dying would you come around and pray for them because we believe if we pray they're going to get healed and they turned around and said yeah we'll be there in a few days that probably pastorally is not the nicest thing they could have heard right I don't know but Jesus uh, knew something bigger was going to go on in this situation now there's obviously a delay in what's going on and it's easy to say well where's God in it or what's going on and 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 when Jesus did arrive they said you're too late you missed it. He's already died. And it's very easy to say, you know, that things are being delayed in the natural and this, that and the other. It's going to be too late. It's going to lead to more problems, more issues and all of that kind of stuff because most people look at what is going on in the natural. But as believers, we're we're called to look at things with the eyes of faith and a trust in who God is. So let's kind of jump a few things just from a time point of view so Jesus turns up. They say, you're too late. He says, don't worry. You, you know, just believe and you're going to see the glory of God. So what happens ultimately? You, we can see he has a love for them and for Lazarus because it, it, outside the tomb, he weeps. So God is, Jesus is praying for our nation right now. When we pray, prayer is not trying to twist God's arm to get him to do what we want him to do. Prayer is lining our mindset, understanding our heart, our will, up with His will and His mind and His heart and what He's doing. So when we pray, God's on His throne. He speaks to us so that we can come into agreement with Him and into alignment with Him. And then what we pray that way into the situation is going to be God's purposes. So we're not trying to twist God's arm to get Him to do what we think He should do in the situation. Prayer is saying, Father, I submit my mind, my understanding, my opinions, my thoughts, my motivations, whatever I would like, I'm submitting all of that to your mind, your heart and your will so that not just what I pray but even then what I say and what I then do is in line with your will. Because how many of you know you can pray one thing in the prayer room uh, but you can then say something different outside of it and we want the two to be in alignment. So what did he do then? He stood outside the tomb. What was the first thing he did? He said, roll the stone away. So roll away everything that stands in front of what I want to do. Roll all the issues, the arguments, all the things that might want to hinder and stop what I'm about to do. Let's just move all of those out of the way because I'm about to speak and do something. And so, you know, all the the various, what we think could happen how we would like it to happen and all those kind of things roll those all out of the way for a minute because you can argue nobody knows do they at this moment exactly how things are going to work out but uh, then what does he do he then speaks and he says Lazarus he said come forth or come out and so Lazarus came out when you read the story and but he was he still had the grave clothes on. And at that moment, Jesus didn't say, great, he's alive, just leave him as he is. He said, now take the grave clothes off so that he may live or so that he may go free, depending on what translation you you read. Now, you can come to your own conclusions in that. And I'm not standing here this morning making a political statement that this is my view or anything. This is just when I prayed and said, God, what what is going on in this situation? Uh, because I want to pray in line with your... Will I don't want to pray what I think or other people's opinions or whatever. And uh, and and it, as I read this story and this uh, scenario, obviously the the, the, the the end is what it is. Uh, Lazarus come out, take the grave clothes off. So there was no when you looked at him, as well as what was happening in his life going forward, there was no connection whatsoever with what he just come out of. He was free to be there was no sense of there's still death on him or whatever in this story and, and in, in if we translate that into the brexit thing there's there's nothing on the nation that still connects it back into what it's just come out of now you might say clive you are making a pretty strong political statement here right now all i'm saying is i'm what i read in there and in line with that that's personally for me. What I've then been praying is, Father, I thank you. Want us to come out of the EU? You want us to be totally free to be who you've called us to be, and whatever that means as a nation. Then, as we bless the EU, as we bless the rest of Europe, as we bless other nations, continents, Israel, whatever context, you 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 want us to be free to be who you've called us to be as a nation. So I just want to share that with you, right? And and I and in different prayer context we've been in recently different like global prayer call two different scenarios with that jerusalem prayer breakfast in in a couple of different nations one in jerusalem one in the hague uh recently and when we've when people have asked us um what's going on with brexit and and i said well what do you believe god's saying to you and and most people i've talked to um either they say well i don't really know what god's saying we're just kind of praying god your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and uh and, and we've just said, well, look, the only, this is what I've had and, and, and whatnot. And, and quite a number of people from different nations, even the other side of the world, that God has put this nation on their heart at this time to pray for, every day even, uh, at the moment. They said, well, when we've been praying, the thing that God has just kept saying to us is God wants the UK to be completely free to pursue the call that it has on it as a nation uh Without any tie strings and all of that attached uh, and all of that, so I'm going to lob that out and i and I know that's uh, there's some contentious thing to say this morning or whatever um but I just want to leave that with you and uh and you can pray into that yourself or whatever you believe God is saying to you at this uh at this moment is that okay? Got a hearty response, didn't it? Maybe you guys up here, it's it's much more of a contentious issue than it is down where where we are. But anyway, even if you don't like what I've said, you can park that. You still like me, love me, and just be open to receive what what I believe God wants to say this morning. Is that okay? Because you might be sitting there going, well, that's it, I've written him off. I don't like him. I'm not going to listen to what he's going to say now. Uh, So don't close your ears off and your heart off to to that. I'm just sharing, that's what I believe... uh, For me, God was saying in in the middle of this situation, amen. Okay, there's just an atmosphere in the room right now. Anyway, okay, now we're living in unprecedented days, unprecedented times. And we see in the natural, there's a lot of unprecedented things taking place. There are things going on now that five years ago, if you said this would be going on, maybe in the way that it is, people would struggle to believe it. 10, 15 years ago. And, and we're living in unprecedented days. Now, the word unprecedented means uh, without previous instance, it never before known or experienced, unexampled, unparalleled, unprecedented events taking place. Well, that might be taking place in the natural, but also God, I believe, is speaking spiritually that we're at the beginning of an unprecedented time spiritually. That means there isn't a reference point. There isn't something to refer to that says, well, Well, God has done this in the way before, so he's going to do it like that now. I believe we're living in unprecedented days spiritually where we have to trust him. We have to be listening to him. We have to have our ear to the ground spiritually to be knowing what is he saying? What does that mean? How do we need to pray? How do we need to act? How do we need to live in an unprecedented time? Now, alongside that, I believe that we're living uh, in this. Here's a phrase, um, in a new dispensation. Now, what does the word dispensation mean? Dispensation means to disperse something, to release something. But but spiritually, the word dispensation means a divine ordering of the affairs of the world. Now, how do you believe that God is in charge ultimately? And God is working out his plan of salvation in the nations. But at the same time, we see a lot of stuff that seems to be Opposite to that. So the word dispensation is a divine ordering of the affairs of the world. It's an appointment, arrangement or favour as by God or a divinely appointed time or outpouring. And we believe that that God wants to dispense, disperse, release His Spirit in a fresh way. Anybody believe that? And so at the beginning of a new dispensation, and I've met quite a number of church leaders uh, from around the nation over the last few months. And everybody seems to be saying the same kind of thing, maybe in different words and terminology. Of uh, uh, in, Since the end of last year, coming into this year, it's like there's a sense of a new release of the Spirit, fresh release of the Holy Spirit. It's not like something's about to happen, it'd be great if, but there's the, the beginnings of and the, the, the kind of shoots of something new just beginning to be released in a fresh way. And what was amazing, I, I was in a meeting with about 25, 30 national Christian leaders a few months ago, and, uh, and, and we were asked to go around the room, and we all had two or three minutes each to kind of sum up what we believe God was saying where we were in our situations, our own church settings, but what do we believe God's saying to the nation. And, and basically, after about the fourth or fifth person, everybody was saying the same kind of thing. The tense of what people were saying was not something's about to, but something has begun. Something started. There's something, And people talked about that in different ways. Uh, people want to pray more. We've got a hunger in our church. People want to pray. They understand now is the time to be praying more. We've seen an openness to the gospel that we haven't seen for a long, long time. The amount of people responding to the gospel is on the increase. The unity amongst churches working together in our town or in our city, or whatever, is, is, it hasn't been like that for a long, long time. Uh, cooperation with local authority and and the favour with local authority locally is, is happening in a way that things just many people are saying hasn't happened for a long time or even anything they've known before, and it was like this this kind of going round the, the room and then I'll just give you one story that, that was a really good way of summing it up. A guy that I know leads a church in Wales and uh, he's probably in his early mid forties, and he this is what he said. He said, I grew up in Wales, and the backdrop of being a Christian in Wales is the Welsh Revival. And so, being to prayer meetings since I was this high, and in just about every prayer meeting, you, you, you get the, you know, the, the scriptures about the Welsh Revival, and you get all the things. And, and he said, so I grew up, he said, with two corners in my life. And, uh, and he said, <laughs> that, and, and you went round the corner for two things, he said, First, he was the spa shop, uh, S-P-A-R, you know, the local whatever you want to call that spa or Tesco Express these days or whatever. But he said, you go around the corner to the spa shop and you go in and uh, you went around the corner because you knew it was there. You go in, you get what you need, you go home and it's like, I've got what I need, I'm satisfied. He said, the other thing that was around the corner was revival. And uh, he said, you all know the scripture, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And he said, if I'm honest, he said, I've, I've, had, we've, I've been in so many prayer meetings, so many prophecies, so many, it's just about, it's about, it's about to happen. And he said, if I'm honest, over 40 years of hearing all this stuff, and I've not seen what was supposedly round the corner. So he said, every time I went round the corner to find revival, he said, I never found it. And was just disappointed, disillusioned. He said, but I can honestly say in the last three months, so this was in February, end of February, early March, he said, I can genuinely say in the last three months, we've gone round the corner as a church, and that hope deferred, making the heart sick, has gone. He said, We're, he said, to sum up what you guys have all shared in the room, it's like there's a fresh release of the Holy Spirit, and something that I've lived with for so long has gone, in terms of disappointment, and he said, God is on the move. God, now, Does that mean he's on the move in a scale that we want to see? No, not yet. Um, But there's the beginnings of something fresh, something new. Our response is to plug into God, is not to wait. And I know in our own situation, we're seeing a fresh release of the Holy Spirit and just new people coming back. uh, People that what you call prodigals, you know, people that have gone away from the Lord coming back. We've seen quite a number of people who are just coming back to the Lord whose lives have been an absolute mess and what God's done in them in in a few months just radically changed their lives and got them back. People who are coming from the community who might have been reaching out to for a while, they're just coming but they're coming with their families, they're turning up on a Sunday and uh, their their kids are loving just being part of the kids church or or whatever you want to call it but then the parents are coming giving their lives to the Lord and their lives are getting totally transformed and it's... It's, it's the depth of what God is doing, as well as, say, numbers. It's not just about how many numbers come across the threshold. It's the depth of what God is doing in people's lives. And, and uh, so in the days that we're in, you know, our response is to make sure that everything in our lives is in, in order and is in line you know, with God and His purposes. Uh, because what people get saved into is what they become. And so we want to make sure that our lives individually, our lives as a church, as a people, is where God wants them to be. Because people, people basically get discipled more by who we are than just what we say. People come amongst the people who are living in a certain way because that's what's in our heart, because of what we believe and understand. And people, the discipleship acceleration is much stronger that way because of the culture that they get saved uh, into. So we're living in exciting days, exciting times. Is there a lot more to see? Absolutely. But we must pray and live in relation to what God is saying and not what we see. Because what we see is challenging in different ways. And we've got to live in, in line with what we pray and what we see. So I just want to share some things for a few minutes. Colossians chapter 4, there's uh, verses 2 to 6 for a minute, and that will just give a context for what I'm going to share, which is quite practical uh, kind of message this morning. Something that we're really going through our- ourselves in, down in Horsham in in the various congregations that we have locally. But Colossians 4 verse 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, and thankful. Now Paul is is writing, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians in Colossae and the context of the letter that he is writing to them. He's in prison in Rome at this time but he is writing to these guys and the reason he is writing is because some of the teaching that has begun to come into the church there and other churches in different places was um, uh, uh, what's the right word? It was false teaching. It wasn't in line with the truth of what, Je- of what they'd learned through Jesus and what the revelation that Paul had had himself uh, and all the stuff about in Christ and Christ in you. So he wrote to these guys and basically what he's saying to these guys is devote yourselves to prayer. Now what ultimately does that mean? When we don't pray, we don't trust. Because when we don't pray, we're saying I can handle this myself. When we pray, what are we doing? We're saying, Father, I surrender myself afresh to you. I don't want to try and live in my own understanding, my own strength and somebody else's opinion. I want to live surrendered to you. So when we pray, we're submitting ourselves to God. We're saying, God, I need you. When we pray, we're spending time listening to God. God, what are you saying? Because I want to make sure my thinking, my understanding, my attitudes are in line with you. So he's saying, devote yourselves to prayer. Why else do they want to pray? Because prayer changes things. Now, we always need to act in line with our prayer, but the change begins with prayer. Then he says here, so he says, devote yourselves, give yourselves to prayer, be a person of prayer. Now, he's not just talking about to the intercessors. He's talking to the body, to you and I, all of us here. And he's saying, devote yourselves, be a person of prayer. Then he says, be. Watchful. Now why is he saying be watchful to these guys? Because if you're not being discerning, if you're not watching out, you can easily be deceived. You can easily be taken off over here or over there. So we need to be watchful in terms of what we're what we're thinking, what we're allowed to go on, what we allow to be shaping who we are. Be watchful. Be discerning because there's a lot going on. And it's very, as we said earlier, it's very easy to be opinionated about all sorts of things. But we want our opinions to be God's opinions, God's mind, God's thoughts. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. When you're thankful, what are you doing? When you're thanking God for what He's done, you're reminding yourself of who He is. You're reminding yourself of what He has done. When, when When we stop thanking God, we, we begin to take God for granted in certain ways. So we want to be thankful because, God, Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the way you're working. And you're reminding yourself, this is God. He's the one. And I want to I be totally thankful. Thanksgiving opens up the way for God to do more. Because we're acknowledging the one who is doing what is happening around us. Okay. Then he says here, Even those in prison, pray for us that there may be an open door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. What a passion that this guy has. He's in prison and he's still saying, pray that a door opens for our message. Pray that I can, can proclaim it even more clearly than I have done already. There's a passion, there's a fire on the inside of this guy that is motivating his life, isn't there? How many of you, you, you want to live with that passion, that fire on the inside? Then he says, practically, verse 5, Be wise then in the way that you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Now it's really, and then he says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that it may know how to answer everyone. A couple of things in there. Firstly, verse 5, Be wise in how you act, how you behave, how you live. But then also, the conversations you do have, make sure they're full of grace, seasoned with salt. So there's this lifestyle, actions, the way we are, but there's also the things that we say. And I want to concentrate this morning a little bit, well, on both, but a little bit on how we are as believers. Uh, he says, be wise as in the way that you act towards outsiders. Now, I want to look at Luke 15. And uh, a parable that Jesus begins to speak out from the context that he's in. Luke 15, first few verses. Um, So, verse 1 it says, A group of tax gatherers and sinners came close to Jesus to listen to him. Don't you love that? Now, many of you might have read these stories a lot, so don't switch off when you think, Oh, yeah, I know that story, I know that parable. Let's just unpack some of the words that are in here and what's going on. A group of tax gatherers and sinners came close to Jesus to listen to him. So these, these are people that wouldn't ordinarily want to be around Christians necessarily. Okay, the Tax collectors, they, were, they got a bad rap, didn't they, back then? Um, but they obviously didn't help themselves in the way that they treated everybody. And, and sinners came close to him. Now, generally as Christians, uh, we can have a little bit of a bad reputation or a negative reputation by a lot of guys So, from a lot of people that aren't Christians. So if you're in a context and you're having a conversation and, and, and it comes out, you're a Christian or somebody says, oh, yeah, they're a Christian, immediately people then have certain ways of thinking of how they think about you. In that moment, ah, so if you're a Christian, you're going to have a certain opinion on this, and you're probably going to say that, you know, because there are because we've been stereotyped because of the way we have done things and the way we have said things. So, in John, I think it's chapter 10, verse 12 to 14. um, When Jesus says, I only say the things my father gives me to speak, we often stop there. And what we do is we stand on our soapbox at that moment and we say stuff to people that might be right. But we forget the few words that go after it. He says, I I say what my father gives me to say. And then the rest of the verse says, and how to say it. It's either John 10 or it might be John 12 Uh, is in one of those but he says and how to say it now how we say things is just as important as what we say as what we say because of what we say and how we act sometimes as Christians man we put people off we put hurdles up that then people have to jump over to even then be open to listen to anything we're gonna say and so uh, when uh, when the, it says here, they came close to Jesus. Now, if somebody's going to come close to you, maybe there's some different reasons why they come close to you. Maybe people came close to Jesus because they were intrigued by him. They'd heard about him. they would been intrigued by this guy. You know, have you heard about this guy, Jesus? When, when he talks, I've never heard him. He says things that people don't say. I've never heard people say things in the way that he says them. The way he acts and, and does things. It, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I want to go and find out about this guy. So maybe some people came close to Jesus because they were intrigued. They wanted to be close. They wanted to find out about this guy. They were intrigued about him. Maybe others they wanted to be around him because they liked the guy. The way Jesus came across, the religious people didn't like him because he challenged them. He religious people is about, religion's about performance, isn't it? You've got to do this and this and this to be acceptable to God, to make sure you've ticked all the boxes. And religion brings separation between people and God. Whereas Jesus came to bring relationship and connection, and there was something about Jesus. Maybe some people liked him. They just liked the way he was. I like this guy. I like the way, there's something about him. I like him. Maybe others, they felt safe around him. I think we underestimate the importance of being safe. See, in a, in a church setting, for example, you, you could have somebody that's really anointed, amazing preacher, teacher, all that kind of stuff going on, and, uh, and you can be like, wow, that's brilliant. But for some reason, if you don't feel safe or you don't feel you can trust someone, you might say, "Well, it's, it's great, it's brilliant, but I just don't. Really, there's something I just don't trust this person. So I, I don't know if I'm going to stay because I, I'm not. I'm not really sure. And I think in leadership, we we underestimate the power of safety, the power of being safe. And and when people, why the tax collectors, are sinners, particularly sinners, came close to Jesus. Let's just talk about people who are in in the Bible here, prostitutes." They wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to be near Jesus. Maybe Jesus was the only guy that they came across that when he looked at them, he didn't look them up and down and check them out. Maybe when a prostitute looked at Jesus, maybe he was the only guy that they didn't feel like, this guy wants to use me and abuse me for his own ends. There was something when they were around Jesus, they felt safe. They were like, when I'm with this guy, there's something about him that doesn't make me feel used and abused. There's something about this guy that I feel accepted. I feel like I want to be around him because I feel safe when I'm with this guy, when I'm around him. There's something about him. When I look into his eyes or when he looks at me, there's something that isn't full of lust and greed and selfishness. There's something when he looks at me that pierces on the inside of me that feels like I want to be near him because I feel accepted. How many of you want to live like this? Because, it, it, you know, the, the world needs to come across Christians more and more where we're not coming from a judgmental point of view. We're not coming f- from a soapbox point of view. We're, and, and this, the, anyway, let's just move on. Next verse. But both the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law murmured against him. Listen to the way that they described Jesus. Because the Pharisees described Jesus because of what they saw. They described him because of how he lived. Okay, so this is their description. This man, they said, receives sinners and even eats with them. (laughs) Now for the Pharisees, they could not sit with people that they classified as tax collectors and sinners. Because to sit with somebody, and some of you will know this, to sit with somebody says you identify with them. To eat with them says an even stronger statement that you are friends with them. And the word they use there for receive, there's different translations. It, it, it depends on what translation. But the word they use there for received or whatever actually means to, the word received there means to show hospitality, to sit with somebody and to embrace them. So they described Jesus, who was also a rabbi. Jesus wore the same kind of clothes as a rabbi. How do we know that? Because the woman who was sick for 12 years, she'd gone to all the doctors, she'd spent all her money, she was getting worse. She said, if I just push through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. Because on the hem of a rabbi's garments were tassels and, and the different tassels represented different things. And the ta- some of the tassels on a rabbi's clothing represented scriptures for healing. And she knew if I can touch him, I'm going to be healed because he's a rabbi and therefore there's healing to be received. And, and so the rabbi saw him as a rabbi even though they, it, he blew their minds. And so for a rabbi to sit in the context they w- he was sitting was just all against all the protocol and all the political correctness for rabbis to, 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 to do. And, and so they described him as a man who, who showed hospitality, who sat with people and embraced them. Wow. So what we're we talking about this morning, we're talking about God's heart for people. See, we can have all the right words. We can say all the right things. But what do people pick up more than just the right words? They, they pick up the heart by which we live. And we are then having communication and talking with people. And spending time with people. So then Jesus taught them this parable. So in that context, and we'll try and do this in an hour instead of two hours. Um, we'll try and get this short. Verse 4. He says, if anyone owned a hundred sheep but lost one of them, would he not leave the ninety-nine to fare for themselves while he went searching for the one that was lost until he found it? And then when he finds it, he carries it on his shoulders full of joy. When he arrives home, he would gather his friends and relatives. Rejoice with me. I found the sheep I had lost. And then Jesus says in this I tell you clearly, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner, one person that repents, than over ninety-nine godly who do not need To repent. So Jesus starts this parable. If anyone owned a hundred sheep but lost one of them, I just want to talk about ownership for a minute. When you own something, you've there's been a transaction that has taken place some point, at some point, where you've paid something for whatever it is that you own. And so you've had something called money that has a value and you have then exchanged the value of that money for something, and so that something now represents a value. Now, does it mean it adds value to your life as a Christian? No, because our value and our identity is not in stuff. It's in who we are as a child of God. So having something doesn't necessarily add value that gives you more worth in your life because our worth and value and identity comes as a child of God because of who we are in Him and who He is in us. But we know, we understand that if you if you go and buy a TV or you buy whatever it is and, and that has some sort of value because you paid something, you own it. Now, if it then gets broken, damaged or stolen, on one level you, you're like, well, I, I've I've now lost something that I had that I'd paid something for so either that needs to be replaced and somebody needs to pay for it because it cost me something and so that why because you've you've owned it it has some sort of value in uh, in your life so there's something there's a difference between owning and borrowing if you borrow something the thing you've borrowed has value but because it's not yours it doesn't have the value in your life that something does as, I- as if you own it. So a friend might lend you their hedge trimmer or, I don't know, do you have hedges in London? I mean, I don't know what you have in your gardens up here. Uh, what do you have? You do have hedges. Maybe you just have patios, you know. So maybe you borrow their jet washer to clean your patio or something, right? In In Horsham, we have hedges. So you can use your hedge, borrow your neighbor's hedge trimmer or whatever. Not as many. All right. Not as many. Okay. Maybe sheep's not a good story for this one in London either because you probably don't have many sheep either up here. Um, When when you borrow something, so you go to your neighbour, you borrow his jet washer or whatever it is, and you bring it home, you clean your patio. But because it's not yours, you want to look after it and you want to make sure you return it in the same condition you borrowed it. Okay, But when you give it back, it's not like you've lost something in your life. Something's missing because it was never yours. So you've just returned what belonged to somebody else, but when you've owned something, when you've had something in your life and it's lost, something something's missing. There's something not right here that, I've, that I own that's now gone. In that sense, and Jesus is saying to these guys, "Hey, um, oh, let's. Just, we'll come back to that. So when you own is different to borrowing. But then he says about uh, you. Then go after the lost one. Now the word lost there that Jesus used actually means as if it were dead. So Jesus is saying here, if anyone owned a hundred sheep, but then lost one as if it were dead. So it's not just, oh, it's gone missing somewhere and I'll find it. It's as if it's dead. And he's saying the shepherd's going to go and look for it. And effectively bring it back to life. And because he brings it back to life, he then says, hey, what I thought was dead has now actually come alive. Rejoice with me. That's why he says in heaven there's more rejoicing over one person that comes from being dead spiritually to coming alive spiritually into a relationship with God. There's more rejoicing that way than there is with 99 that don't need to repent or give their life to the Lord. And so, what's Jesus saying at the heart of this story? God paid a price for mankind. Now, this is before the cross, but we understand the other side. What is Jesus talking about here that they might not have fully understood in that moment? That we understand the other side of the cross. God created mankind to know Him, they belong to Him. When man sinned, separated. Us mankind from God. Something was then lost, something was then missing. God had a plan to restore what was missing, to bring it back from the dead, to give it life. You and I. And he had to pay a price for that to take place. And in Revelation 5, verse 9, it says, You were slain. He's talking about Jesus. And by your blood you purchased for God men of every tribe and language. From all people groups and every nation. Interesting how it uses the word purchased. It was like God was buying back. And taking back into ownership. You belong to me. I have purchased you. Now. There are many people in the world that have responded and given their life to the Lord and they're back in his ownership, if we can put it that way. But there are many that are still not back in his ownership, but because he's paid a price, he's like, he's saying, there's something still missing that I've paid for that I don't have. And I believe that God wants us to have an ownership in our lives in the same way that he has. That those people that we're reaching out to, praying for, family members, friends, those that don't yet know Jesus, that we're reaching out to, that it's not just where they're over there somewhere and maybe one day they'll give their lives to the Lord. But I believe God wants to put uh, 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 His heart of ownership on the inside of us so that we live in, if I can put it this way, with a burden from Him. Now the Bible says that when God gives us a burden, His yoke is light and His burden is easy or the other way around. His yoke is easy and His burden is light when God gives a burden, it's not a a heavy burden to carry. But when we have a burden from God, there's something going on in the inside of us that will not settle until we see the fulfillment of what is put on the inside of us. Uh, we were recently in Israel, and uh, when whenever we're in Jerusalem, we always want to go to the the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, where. A lot of the Jewish people go and pray, and the week, the the days we were there, we didn't really have any time during the day. So we, it was about ten, half ten in the evening, and we went down there, and it was the it was Pentecost weekend. There was Shavuot, as it's called there, and because it was Shavuot or Pentecost, uh, they it's a, it's what's called a double Shabbat. So it's not just Friday night to Saturday night, but it's also Saturday night to Sunday night, and so it was the Sunday evening, and it was although technically it finished, there were so many Jewish people down there, the place was packed and the ladies have to go one side to pray and the guys go the other side and whenever we go, we always go down there And 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 I went down and I always want to pray for them, for these guys, for the Jewish people and for their salvation, for them to come to know Jesus as their Messiah and <coughs> I went down there and S- this place was packed, heaving, and you know, you know, when you're faced with something, there's so many, all dressed in in their their black long coats and everything, hats and everything else, and they were, you know, praying with their the Bibles and and uh, or or Scripture or whatever they had, and they were doing all the rocking and everything else. They were in groups, and and as I began to pray. Uh, you know, you, you read scriptures that are written specifically for them and for their salvation, everything. I was and, and as I was beginning to just pray, it was like, um, the only way I can describe it is this total sense of lostness came over me. It was horrible. Um, and everything in me was like, I don't want to be it. It was really, it was horrible. It was like this sense of complete hopelessness despair it was like lostness darkness it, 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 and and I'd only been down there two or three minutes and uh, and I was praying with my eyes open just looking around and, and all this this kind of stuff was going on and I said to them, I said God I don't want to be here this is horrible I just want to go I want to leave and um, and and God said to me I'm just showing you how I see them I'm showing you where they're at in relation to me. And I was like, yeah, and on one level, I know that. uh, And we would know that here. But it it was like I was saying, Clive, I want you to experience what is going on in how I am, how I feel, what's going on in me towards them and where they are in relation to me. I want you to feel and experience the same lostness, the same separation and all of that at this moment and and in the middle of that I said God it's, it only these are miracle only you can reveal and obviously again up there we know that I- in that sense and uh, and it was like God said to me at that moment Clive I want you to own them in the same way that I own them I want you to pray from a place of ownership. Now we we we're, we're developing relationships in different ways with people in Israel but also with the Jewish community here in the UK and, and and um and and we pray for them but it was like God was I don't know what the right word giving imparting releasing his heart for what's going on in him for them and uh and so I stayed, obviously, a while and prayed. But it was, it was, it, because of what I felt. It was heart. It was like God, you know. And uh, why does so? Th- and this is God's heart for anybody that doesn't know Him. It's not just for the Jewish people, but it's for anybody that doesn't know Him. Your family members, my family members, your friends, my friends, people that we work with, people who are around our lives. This is how they are. It is. If I can use this phrase for a minute. Um, Anybody that doesn't know Jesus, it's literally like they're the walking dead. They might be alive naturally, but spiritually it's like they're dead people walking. And God wants to open our eyes to the reality of what's going on. And sometimes we need a reality check spiritually like that, or we need God to do something to show us something about people's lives, so that we don't just walk around with blinkers sometimes and, and we walk past miracles that are waiting to happen because of that God wants us to connect with somebody for whatever reason, in some way or other. Like the, the sinners, they wanted to be around you. They were intrigued about this guy. They wanted to be around him. They wanted to be near him. They want Why? Because of who he is and what he said. And there are people around our lives, miracles waiting to happen. <laughs> Miracles that are waiting to happen around your life, around my life, people we 're reaching out to, no matter who they are, no matter how old, what nationality, whether they 're from this nation or they 've moved here it doesn't matter. God loves people. Should we stand i don 't know what time you guys normally finish, but now it is it now is it and what we 're going to do we 're just going to pray and uh, and ask God to just just download his heart now something might happen now something might begin to happen but i believe this is a bit of an ongoing thing that he wants us to it's like god would you i want to become an owner in my heart in my life of those around me that don't know you i want to be an owner i want to own people's lives that literally like you, for God, in one sense, it's, we know God's complete in himself. But yet, in his heart, there's something missing, lacking. Not in his own heart, because he's, he's fulfilled on himself. But he, he, he senses, he feels <laughs> loss. Something missing, in the sense of those that don't yet know him. carries that as a burden and he wants to impart a burden into our lives for those around us that don't yet know him some people around our lives we get on with really well but they don't know Jesus yet there are other people around our lives that we struggle with and can be really challenging that don't know Jesus but yet God wants to release his heart in us for them. Whether we get on well with them or whether we find people difficult. That we don't look on the outside. We don't just look in the natural. Part of it is saying, Father, would you enable me to see people how you see them? Help me see them from a spiritual point of view, not just from a natural point of view. Anybody want to, respond this morning and pray that maybe just mother me leading you through saying a prayer maybe you just need to say to the lord yourself father i I want you to download your heart in a fresh way i want to own people's lives around me that don't know you i want to own them in my heart that Because they don't know you yet. It's like I'm living with a burden of, of there's an element of loss and lack in relation to that burden because they don't know you yet. That I can't just live easy, just live, just going on about my business. Just knowing they don't know you yet. A burden from God is not a negative. It has a negative effect on you. When God gives a burden, it becomes a motivation. In your life maybe if you, you you've kind of sense like oh, maybe I've just had blinkers and I've just missed things. Father, I don't want to have blinkers in my life. Father, would you open the eyes of my heart, Would you open my eyes spiritually so that I don't walk past miracles that are waiting to happen? conversations moments whatever they might be whatever they might look like I don't want to live with blinkers I want to live with my spiritual eyes wide open like it says there being watchful being alert for any moments making the most of every opportunity is that scripture in Colossians forces making the most of every opportunity So, Father, we thank you for a download of your heart today, this morning. That You would begin to grow that. And as we go about our lives the rest of the day and tomorrow, this week, that, Father, as we see people, your compassion would be released in a fresh way. As we're with people, your heart for them. Father, you know what's going on the inside of people's lives that they may never let on to us because of the way people guard themselves. But Father, thank you for your heart for them. You know what's going on in them and your heart towards them. Father, let us live with your heart for those people when we're with them, when we pray for them. Father, we don't want to live as soapbox Christians with opinions and everything else. We don't just want to say the right things either. Father, we want to say things how you would say them but live and act how you would live and act. So Holy Spirit, we ask you that you would, (laughs) when we're going to just come out with something that's really not going to help, that you would be there at that moment and say, hey, just hang on a minute. Think about the way you're going to say this. Think about the way you're going to behave now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're our helper, enabler. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, just to close this morning, we, we, we've got a little bottle of mustard seeds this morning. And uh, when we were in Jerusalem the other week, there's a guy called Angus Buchan, who some of you might know of, South African guy, a potato farmer, he's known as. And we ended up having a chat with him and he started talking to us and he said, hey, I, 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 can I pray for you guys? And, and while he was praying, he said, look, I've got some mustard seeds in my, and I only do this when God prompts me, but I just believe God saying to give you some mustard seeds and pray over you. I believe God wants to multiply your your lives and your church and whatever you're leading and bring an increase in a way that's beyond what it you've seen before and, and, and everything. And so he prayed for us and, and since we've been back, just in different meetings just felt the Lord say to to give out mustard seeds but they represent the harvest. It's the harvest, the harvest. It, many, many people, multitudes of people coming to know the Lord, lives being transformed and, you know, one mustard seed co- reproduces itself between eight and 20 times. So you put one seed in and it produces eight of the same or, or even up to 20 times. And what I want to encourage you to do, this is, just as a a sign really that you can do in your own home is is maybe grab two or three of these seeds per household at the end. And when you get home, stick them in a little pot, just a thumbnail's depth down and put a bit more soil and water them. And these seeds, these can represent those that you're reaching out to, those that don't know Jesus, that you're praying for, reaching out to. And within a week or two, these start growing, but they'll grow multiple times. They won't just be one seed plant, it will be many that grow. Because God wants to take what is in your life and He wants to multiply that into others. He doesn't just want you to have a few conversations here or there. He wants four, five, eight, ten, fifteen, twenty people to come to know the Lord through your life. Anybody believe that this morning? Come on, we've got to lift our eyes. We've got to lift our eyes beyond just, maybe I could have a conversation. Maybe that's a starting point. We need to lift our eyes with expectation of faith that God wants to multiply the same life in you into others, but many times over. So it's like a little prophetic action, really, just to put these in a plant pot. And just say, Father, they're the people that I'm reaching out. They're going to represent the three, four, the household, the family that I'm reaching out to, or the several households, not just individuals, but households coming to know you. So, Father, we thank you. We praise your name for your heart today for us. And if if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've heard some things this morning about God's heart for people, God's heart for you. And Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you in, in.